You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Point out the colors of you. I see them too. And boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this hate. We are here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest Windy City Great Iron Radio with you, as always, managing editor Robert Zaglinski. And today we're going to talk the 2018 49ers, one of the final pieces of our Bears opponents preview for this regular season. Um, I know we're winding down towards roster cuts and all of that other fun stuff, but we still have um, we still have some of these guys to get through. Luckily, we have um, one of SB Nation NFL's editors and producers, and he also runs Niners Nation, uh, David Ficillo, to help us break everything down, to help us break Jimmy Garoppolo's perfect smile down, all that kind of fun stuff. David, what's up? Hey, what's happening? Always here to talk about the, uh, the ever-handsome Jimmy Garoppolo. Incredibly handsome Jimmy Garoppolo. In fact, that's probably the most notable part. That's the, we, we, we won't even really talk about football, right? Well, I would actually say the most notable part is that he's from uh, Illinois. He's, uh, he's a Chicago area. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Northern Illinois. He went to NIU and then – yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, forget that. I forget that sometimes. He went, no, he went to Eastern Illinois. Oh, Eastern Illinois. Okay, yeah. yeah. Actually, 49ers uh, cornerback Jimmy Ward went to Northern Illinois. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, I forget that. I, I, sometimes I get lost in his eyes and it happens, you know. I mean, it, it happens. I will say, that, uh, really, it's the jaw is what really gives away the Chicago. And he, he and his entire family have these rock solid jaws that just look like you know they are just straight out of Chicago. <laughs> Let's. We're going to talk more Jimmy in a little bit. Um, the first part I wanted to discuss, David. What we're entering the second year of that Garoppolo era, that John Lynch era, first second full year. Um, in your mind. How have expectations changed? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I know we'll get into Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, but obviously expectations certainly uh, relate to relate to the addition of Garoppolo. Um, you know, it's been a year and a half now. Uh, they they When Lynch and Shanahan first took over, I think people were cautiously optimistic. They figured, okay, Shanahan's the up-and-coming coach. Uh, Lynch... Had no experience, but he, he was very good with the media. He talked a good game. And so, you know, people felt pretty good. Uh, you get through the first draft, things are feeling pretty good. Then the team starts 0-9. Everybody doesn't know what, you know, it's – you're still trying to say, okay, everything's going to be fine. It's, you yeah. know, knew this was going to be bad. Uh, and then everything really changed uh, on October 30th. I think it was the 30th uh, when, they, when they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo just because 
you know, he was he was one of the big name options. It was going to be, you know, there was a lot of talk that the 49ers would make him run at Kirk Cousins because he's a Kyle Shanahan guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they added Garoppolo and suddenly it's like, well, wait a second. Uh, you know, he only he had two starts to his name. He played pretty well, but he's a Tom Brady guy. He's a you know, he's worked with Tom Brady. He's worked, worked with Bill Belichick. Everybody that changed everything that changed how everybody felt. Um, I, you know, nobody was ready to anoint him quite then, but suddenly it's like, oh, wait a second. Suddenly this team is a little more interesting. Hmm. Uh, going. So would you say, would you say Super Bowl hype is warranted? Because I've seen that and, and, and just, I have to say from an objective perspective, like I'm not totally bought in going into the second year, despite the sample size. I mean, I, I can see the pieces. I can see how everything's pieced together. How, how are you gauging that? Well, I mean, he's never lost a start, so I mean, I okay. Would... So he's going to go into. He's naturally going to go. They're going to go nineteen and zero. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not not just that. He's never going to lose a game in his career. That's what the projections say. Yeah. No. Um, no. Honestly, I agree. Super Bowl project. You know, Super Bowl suggesting that they're going to go to the Super Bowl is is way out of line at this point. Um, yes. You know, if you get to the playoffs, anything can happen, but. I think they're they're kind of in that middle gray area where they will be competitive every week, but saying the Super Bowl is a little tough. Uh, you're looking at a team. The over under is set at eight and a half, and that's about a perfect number because I can't really tell you one way or the other whether it's going to go over or under. I see kind of a seven to ten win range. Um, if everything goes great, ten wins makes sense. If things go poorly, seven wins makes sense. I mean, obviously they could technically do worse than that or technically do better than that, but. Mm-hmm. I see sort of seven to ten wins, which makes them competitive, makes them a playoff contender, but not a Super Bowl contender. With Lynch, aside from the Garoppolo trade, what have you appreciated about it so far? It's still so early, right? But what have you liked so far about his approach as GM and, and the things he's been able to accomplish aside from the trade? Well, I mean, you could talk, you know, you could point to successful drafts, some interesting uh, free agent additions, stuff like that. But, you know, every GM is going to have their, their misses to go with their hits. So I think beyond just, hey, he's hitting on this guy or that guy, is, is changing the culture. And really this is kind of a combination of him and Shanahan because Lynch is technically the GM, but it really is a partnership, and that's kind of a cliche. But I think Shanahan is, is a guy who has a lot of say in this and, in terms of, of the roster. And we've seen this – you know, we've seen a lot of turnover. There's only, I think, 12 players left from before – the team hired Lyndon Shanahan. So mm-hmm. clearly there's a, a big roster turnover, but really it's been a change in culture. Um, you know, you had a team that after Harbaugh left, they were just kind of wandering in the desert for a couple of years there uh, with Jim Tom Sula, with Chip Kelly. Uh, Trent Balky was just not working out at GM. And there were just, you know, there didn't seem to be a focus or a mission or anything like that. You suddenly add, you know, Lynch and Shanahan have brought some kind of focus. I, you know, it's, it's hard to put into words exactly, but it feels it feels different. I have to ask because obviously a lot of a lot of people in Chicago will be bothered by it, but I have to ask just from from an objective perspective, what was the San Francisco viewpoint on the whole little? I don't know. I, I don't know how to word this perfectly. Like the Ryan Pace, like like John Lynch getting one over on Ryan Pace on in the twenty seventeen draft. What was what's what was that whole viewpoint like? Uh, you mean like the uh, moving up to Solomon Thomas? You guys get Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I think uh, knowing that the 49ers had no interest in Trubisky, it's it's a great deal. Um, since then, and I, you know, you can make of it what you want. Uh, Shanahan has said basically their two quarterbacks, the two quarterbacks they were look that they were targeting after 
uh, after Shanahan and Lynch came on board was, were Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, they asked uh, they asked uh, Belichick about Garoppolo at the combine. Were shut down. So really, the plan was to go for you know to go heavy for Kirk Cousins this past off season. Um, so in that context, no, they, them knowing that they were not going to draft one of those top quarterbacks, you have to love the trade. Um, Solomon Thomas had his ups and downs last year. Uh, he I think he's going to take a step forward this year. How much remains to be seen. You know, personally, I think, you know, the Bears wanted Trubisky. Clearly, that was their guy. And, well, who was number one that year? Miles Garrett. Miles okay. Garrett of the Browns, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, they wanted Trubisky. They needed a quarterback. Personally, I think that it's it, it was a perfectly fine trade. Um, if you think that you can get a quarterback, if you think you can, you, there's a quarterback there that's going to be your guy for the future, you you do almost anything for it. And so, I don't, I don't begrudge the Bears, that decision. Because, I mean, you know, hey, it may not work out, but in terms of process, I, I think it's fine. Yeah, and for the 49ers, I mean, they got they got their draft picks anyway. So I, both teams got what they wanted. I, I was just it, – it, it was always it was always interesting how that was – like how the public perception of was that. But it's like you said, like if you go and get your quarterback, like it, it, it doesn't matter. If it works out, it doesn't matter. No one's going to well, – people are going to remember it anyway, but no one's going to look back on it in, the sim, in, in, in that negative fashion if it works out. So, I mean, you're, but you're taking that risk either way. Um, to Jimmy Garoppolo's handsome smile and, and just getting lost in his eyes, as you were saying earlier, David, um, I know he's never lost a start. I, I, I know he's, he's being anointed as a top five, top ten quarterback, which I – actually quite frankly see um down the line but do you think it's a little early for him to be fully anointed without you know fully getting ingratiated in the offense and with the weapons still coming around oh sure i mean he's i i you know saying he's a top five quarterback now is, is kind of going out on a limb at this point um unless you you know you want to get your hot take in early so you can say oh i said it you know way back when i said it when they traded for him i said it when they traded for him it was over there you know, I said it two years before they traded for him, so there. <laughs> no, uh, I, you know, I, I think that he could finish this year as a top ten quarterback. I don't think that is a crazy suggestion. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's it, a lot of it comes down to the offensive line and the run game, and you know, kind of the support that he gets. Also, obviously, the defense needs to step up so that he's put in positions to succeed. Um, but I, you know, if at the end of the year we're talking about him as one of the top ten best quarterbacks in the NFL, I think. That's reasonable. I, I think, and you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's hard. I, it, it, I could see it, but I can see it. It's hard to say. Like you said, there's just there's not a lot there. You know, yes, he looked great in five games. You know, there there are plenty of people. There are sticklers. They'll be like, well, hey, you know, the, the Rams weren't playing their starters. Uh, you know, the Jaguars technically didn't really have a whole lot to play for in that game. This, that, you know, the, the Texans didn't have JJ Watt, so on and so forth. Um, so I, I'm fine with that, and I think those are reasonable points to make um but you know i think this is a team that if you look just overall if you look at the 49ers as a whole last year i think they lost five games by a field goal or less um they had a stretch during their they had a stretch uh, during that 09 period where they lost five straight games by less than a touch or by, by a field goal or less i think it was and that's the kind of thing where luck is you know could sh- you know could turn that around a little bit um if they improve in the red zone that'll help so you know, I'm not here to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but you know, hey, it could happen sooner rather than later. So you're basically saying he's the next—he's the next Joe Montana and Steve Young. 
essentially. He's Joe Montana plus Steve Young combined. Oh wow! Okay. Oh wow! We we don't we don't shy away from hyperbole here. No, um, <laughs> no, sir. Uh, what? So where to to become that elite quarterback? To become that star quarterback? Again, you don't have much to work off of, David. But what? Where does he have to improve? What's the next step in his progression? Um. You know, I think he... If you can answer that, that I know it's a difficult question. Just, you know. I think his decision-making is still something that needs work. Uh, you know, he his... Technically, if you look at his interception rate, plus, like, there were a, there was at least one or two dropped interceptions. It was among the worst in the NFL, given his five-game stretch. I think it was something like Trevor... It was, like, down there with Trevor Simeon. So it wasn't good, but... Um, and then if... Um, Another like, Illinois product, Trevor it, Simeon. Yeah. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Illinois... Yeah. Is, it dominates the NFL. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think uh, if, uh, for those that, that missed his, the, the 49ers Colts game this weekend, uh, in, the second, in the second quarter, in his last drive of the second quarter, um, the 49ers had like first or goal, first goal or, or second and goal, and he threw two passes, one which um, wasn't going to be an easy interception, but went, you know, the defender got his hands on it, and the other one just bounced off the defender's chest, you know. And yeah, so yeah. – that I think decision making. I think he he does a lot of things really well at this point. Um, there's things you know he can improve in plenty of areas a little bit here and there, but decision making is going to be something where the more and I, this comes with more time. You know, the more you play, the more experience you get, the more situations. It's like okay, now I know you know I can't do this in this situation. I can't force this in that situation. So I think decision making is going to be an area he needs to improve. He can't get any better looking, though. I mean, that, at that point, he's plateaued. That's that's what, that's what that's what we can agree upon. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I you know, that's that's what you get when you work with Tom Brady, I guess. <laughs> this is Windy City Gridiron Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron. Uh, talking with SB Nations and, and Niners Nations, David Facillo. You can follow David on Twitter at David Facillo, F-U-C-I-L-L-O, and follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. David, what is one underrated area that people don't talk enough about the 49ers roster in your mind? Honestly, I think the wide receivers. Uh, it's a position where right now your top, you know, the 53-man the, the roster will probably include Pierre Garçon, um, Marquise Goodwin. I'm always uh, – sorry to interrupt. I'm always amazed that Pierre Garçon is still in the league when I hear his name. Like, I, I feel like he's, he's been around forever. That's one of those players like, oh, he's still playing. Oh, he's still productive. He's like, I, I see him like an Anquan Bolden type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Trent Taylor. Uh, you've got Dante Pettis, their second-round pick this year. Kendrick Bourne was an undrafted free agent who looked pretty good. Stuff like that. You've got some of these guys. Um no, you, you know, Pierre Garçon, like you said, is a guy. He, he's a guy that's managed to hang around, continue to be productive, but he's not that guy. It's like, oh man, that's that clear number one. Uh, Marquise Goodwin last year had a breakout season after four years in Buffalo, where he, you know people thought he was just a go route guy. Uh, but I think that's a position group that actually is going to be a lot better than people expect. Uh, I don't know that you're going to find. I mean, Goodwin is, I think, is the guy that will end up as the best of that group this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but none of those guys are people that are jumping out at you and like, oh, man, I really need to draft that guy uh, in my fantasy draft. They're, they're the proverbial better football player than fantasy player. Um, Trent Taylor's entering his second year. As a rookie, he was a dynamic presence in, on third down. He was a guy that Jimmy Garoppolo looked to on third down. So, you know, I, it, 
they're not big names. I mean, Pierre Garçon technically is still sort of a big name, but you know, they're not really big names, but I think you're looking at a group that is going to be a lot more productive than people expect. And if Jimmy Garoppolo takes a step forward, part of it will be having a solid group of receivers. What is one area that concerns you like an Achilles heel of sorts? The pass rush is a big question mark. Um, the 49ers have invested heavily on the defensive line. Uh, in 2015, 16, and 17, each year they invested a first-round pick on the line. They, uh, they drafted Eric Armstead out of Oregon in 2015, then DeForest Buckner out of Oregon, and then uh, Solomon Thomas out of Stanford, going for those Pac-12 guys. Going for that, that Northern California and yeah, Pacific, yeah, Pacific Northwest. Exactly. Things, yeah. you know, exactly. Stay on, stay on the coast. And, uh, you know, they – they have had plenty of question marks about them, but they, they have not invested heavily in their edge rushers. Um, they play a 4-3, but obviously they spend more time in their nickel. Um, they got Cassius Marsh off of uh, waivers from the Patriots. They signed Jeremiah Adachu this year from the Chargers as a free agent. But they really just haven't done a whole lot with that group. And so, you know, I think there, there's a lot of potential on that line, but I don't really know if they've done enough to improve the pass rush this year, which – with, with a secondary that's relatively young, plus Richard Sherman, it's, it's hard to tell what, what's going to come of that group. Is the thought process that where they're just so strong at, like, the, wait, does the 49ers run a 3-4? No, they run a 4-3. So is the thought process where just, like, that Buckner and, and Thomas are just so good and get so much pressure up the middle where everything else is mitigated, or is the, the roster just in that early stages where, you know, you're gonna, you can wait another year or two to, to, to mitigate this, essentially, that where it's – where it's probably not, where it probably wasn't going to be fixed this year. What's the, what, what was that thought process? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they want to see what that line can do, independent of a of, you know a big name pass rusher. Um, they're Cleo Mack, right? Trading yeah, Cleo. Uh, yeah, that's I, they're they're going to trade all their first round picks for Cleo Mack. Uh, you know, clearly. Uh, but you know, I, I think you know they. I think the idea is that the defensive line will open things up and make it easier for the edge rushers, so they don't need to necessarily invest big names in it and. It looks like, you know, if you look at Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, who comes out of the Seahawks system, that's not a group that's really had a lot of big-name edge rushers. It's always been, you know, it's been a little bit more about the about the uh, the defensive line and opening things up. So that's my guess at what they're hoping for. Whether that actually works remains to be seen, but that's kind of where I see them looking for this to develop. Obviously, the Rams had a big offseason. Um just going all out, getting a bunch of defensive superstars after their breakout last year. Um, the Cardinals have a young quarterback now they can build around, still some good defensive pieces. Uh, I, Seahawks, I mean, it's Russell Wilson running for his life, but it's, he's, he's very good. Um, so in your mind, what is it like for the 49ers now? To, like, what are they going to have to do to stay competitive in, in, in what looks like a gauntlet of a division? Oh, I mean, I, you know, I, I think the Rams are the team to beat by a long shot. I mean, they, you know, adding Namik and Sue and the rest of those defensive players is, is going to be huge for them. I, I think if they don't win the division, it will be an upset. And so I can, you know, I can live with that. Uh, the Seahawks, <laughs> I think Russell Wilson always gives them a puncher's chance. Uh, but they've got, I, they, you know, they're not technically in a rebuilding process, but they're kind of moving into a rebuilding process. Like they should be, but they're not yet, essentially. Yeah, Because, because they've got Russell Wilson, and you can't. Yeah. You can't give up seasons as long as you've got him. And, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, as long as they've got him, they can technically they, – I mean, they're, they're competitive and can win any game that he starts, uh, assuming he doesn't get hurt. And with that offensive line, it's always a question mark. Uh, that's, that's up in the air. But then also just that defense, 
it's, you know, there's a lot of turnover there. They're changing their approach, you know, less legion of boom, more up front. Um, so, you know, I think for the 49ers, just uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, really that I think it's going to come down to the offensive line and the defensive line. The offensive line can, can keep Jimmy Garoppolo protected. And if the defensive line can get some pressure, uh, sec, you know, second in the division is, is entirely reasonable. And, and, you know, again, if they don't finish second, that I think that if they don't finish second or first, that would be a disappointment. So would you consider the Seahawks to still be like the Ford? Like, cause I know there was that big rivalry, like in the early, the earlier this decade, like is that still the 49ers main rival in the division or has it just shifted to the Rams because the Rams are, are the top dog now, or is it even the Cardinals? I think it's switching to the Rams. I think the Cardinals are just sort of the Cardinals. (laughs) They're just there. That's, that's so okay. Yeah. They're just there. I mean, they've just never really been like that dynamic. I mean, yes, they you know they went to the Super Bowl, this and that, but it's not like they've ever really been like that big high profile team. Um, you know, I mean, the 49ers, 49ers fans and Seahawks fans still have a rivalry for sure, but I think in terms of the players and the games, the 49ers and the Rams is going to develop back into the rivalry it was back in like the 70s and 80s. And part, I mean, part of that is the Rams are the top dog, but also you've got that relationship between uh, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. Um, they work together in Washington, so you've got a lot there. And so I think that's that's going to be a fun rivalry uh, these next few years. To a guy that was a part of an when when the Seahawks and 49ers rivalry was at its peak, David, let's talk the 49ers free agency. The biggest name was Richard Sherman. Uh, how has he looked so far? I mean, he's coming off an Achilles. He's making that sw- or an Achilles injury. He's making that switch. How has he looked in camp? How he's looked in the preseason? Um, what are your expectations? Um, expectations are, are hard to really gather right now. I think, uh, you know, same as I said before about others, it's like kind of cautiously optimistic. Um, he was back for the start of training camp from the Achilles, and then he pulled his hamstring, and he missed the first two preseason games. So, Saturday against the Colts was his first preseason game of the year, and I'm guessing the only one. I don't expect him to play this Thursday against the Chargers, but mm-hmm. uh, he played the first half. He looked fine. Uh, he was targeted once and uh, had a pass breakup against uh, Justin Rogers or whoever. One one of some some random wide receiver, uh, but uh, but he looked fine. Um, he you know there like there was a play in, in training camp where he got burned by Marquise Goodwin, but he talked about you know they're they're doing a lot of different things. They're trying out some things. Uh, so you know I think until we see him out there in the regular season, week one is when we'll really start to get an idea of okay, this is what Rich Sherman is right now. He either he's a guy who's lost a step or he's a guy that you know can bounce back from that Achilles injury. I think once once we see what happens in the Vikings game we'll have a better idea. I think, you know, there's a chance he'll be a little rusty, but, you know, he's been practicing. He's been back on the practice field for most of the past week and a half or so. So I think that's the game when we'll really be able to tell what this year might mean for Richard Sherman. This this might be a little bit of an arbitrary question, but how do you think his um... – I guess, how do you think his, like, mentality shifted, like, in this kind of, like, second phase of his career and trying to, like, revitalize himself? How, how, has he given any inkling to that? Um, like I said, this might, that might be a little arbitrary, but um, obviously I, this was a guy that used to be one of the leagues, but, like, star corners and stuff, and he's trying to get back to there. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that's, that's been interesting is he's come in and he, is the leadership role he served. I mean, he was outspoken with the Seahawks, but I don't know enough to say that he was – you know, clear like he was the vocal leader of the of that secondary, but I, I kind of feel like Earl Thomas was probably more of the, the better player. Yeah, yeah. Well, but like the quiet leader, 
you know, the guy mm-hmm. that so they didn't say as much, but was more viewed as, as the, the quote unquote leader of, of the secondary. Whereas with the 49ers, um, obviously, you know, he couldn't really do a lot of, a lot of practice in the off season workout program. He didn't even get on the practice field until the very end of uh, mini camp. And so it was interesting. As soon as he came in, he started to work with the, the young, because the 49ers have a lot of young players on their secondary. They've got a second cornerback. Mm-hmm. They've got a second year free safety, a fourth year strong safety who's in his first, you know, full, who hopefully will get a full season and a starter this year. But he's work, you know, he's kind of been playing, you know, he's been sort of that coach on, you know, that, that player coach on the field and then that leader off the field and, and the mentor that I don't know if he necessarily, and again, I can't say, for certain, we'd have to ask Seahawks fans about this, but it feels like he's kind of taking on more of a role in that regard and, and viewing this as sort of his chance to to really make his imprint um, from a different role. You know, he still he still thinks he can play, he still thinks he can do all that, and, and that's fine. But like, I think more than anything, his leadership is going to be as important as anything uh, with the 49ers. He's probably going to want revenge on the Seahawks too, or like self motivated revenge of some kind, which will actually be really fun to see. Um, the other big free agent signing, David, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, expectations for him? How has he looked so far? Uh, well, so he uh, he played in the first preseason game, and uh, then after that, he had a calf strain, and so he hasn't played in the preseason since. He's been getting you know pregame workouts and stuff like that. He's expected to be fine for week one. I think once he strained his calf, they just were you know they basically were like we're going to shut him down. For yeah, the- yeah, no point. And so uh, I think he's a guy that. He's going to be the lead back, but I think Matt Breda, their their other running back, their number two, is I think going to end up being a, a pretty big part of that rotation. McKinnon is a guy that I could see him rushing for eight or nine hundred yards, but then hauling in seven or eight hundred receiving yards uh, potentially. I think he's a guy that you're going to see a lot of him in the passing game. He's I don't know if he'll necessarily be the team's pass you know receptions leader, but he's going to be. No worse than second or third in receptions on this team. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of those, you know, a lot of that shorter work. And so, you know, he's not, they're not, you know, people were talking about, well, they paid him all this money and this and that. But I think for a lot of systems, that was a lot of money. But for Shanahan's system, I think it makes sense. He's a guy that can, that can get in there and do a lot of that, that short, you know, a lot of work in that short passing game. So what you're saying is in Shanahan's system, he's going to be Roger Craig, essentially. Which yeah, pretty much. I mean, they, you know, we've already got – we're already beginning the proclamations for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, let's let's jump over to the draft, David, just doing all this offseason fun stuff. So uh, first-round pick, Mike McGlinchey. You already mentioned Dante Pettis, uh, Fred Warner in the third round, Tartavi – oh, excuse me, Tarvarius Moore, Contavious Street in the third and fourth rounds, DJ Reed um, – how has the draft looked so far? How pleased were you with it? Um, all that good stuff. Well, to throw you off even more, they, they drafted Tarverius Moore in the third round, and then they signed Tarverius McFadden as an undrafted player. Oh, that's too much. That's too much name jumbling for me. Yeah, the, the, the I is key there. But, uh, no, you know, so far it's, it's, it, it's, been, it's, it's looking good. Uh, there's, you know, there's – there hasn't, haven't been real games, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's, that, that, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, with McGlinchey – I mean, he's their right tackle. He's the guy they, they they drafted him, and then they traded Trent Brown, who had been their right tackle. So they're gonna, you know, they're gonna go through some ups and downs with him, just as you do with any rookie offensive lineman. But I think uh, for him, the floor is pretty high. So you know, he'll have some bad games, but I don't think it'll be too bad. Um, Dante Pettis is one of the best punt returners in college football history. He actually he set the record for most uh, 
punt return touchdowns. I think he averaged 20 yards of punt return last year or some ridiculous number. So you're going to get that from him, and then he's going to be they're going to kind of work him around as a wide receiver, but he's looked really good uh, with his route running. Um, Fred Warner is interesting because Ruben, Ruben Foster is going to be suspended the first two games, and so more than likely the 49ers are going to start Malcolm Smith and Fred Warner at their two at the Mike and the Will position. Uh, and so, and then once Foster comes back, I think Warner's a sort of a coverage guy, a guy that they can, you know, they don't necessarily have to have a third cornerback. They can potentially rotate him in as well to kind of mix up their packages. Yeah. Um, Tarverius Moore played safety in college. He's moving over to a cornerback. He's good. Um, He's not going to be in the starting lineup. That's going to be Richard Sherman and Keller Witherspoon. Uh, Jimmy Ward is probably first off the bench, but I think Tarverius Moore is a guy who will eventually replace him. Uh, DJ Reed, their fifth round pick, is a nickelback, but he also plays free safety, and he's a guy that can you know they can handle kick returns and punt returns as well. So you're going to see. I think he's a guy you're going to see a lot of rotation on. He's he looked pretty solid as a as a nickelback in the preseason. Um, the, what's really been interesting is their seventh round pick, Julian Taylor, a defensive tackle out of Temple, and Richie James, wide receiver out of Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Taylor has been playing the strong end position uh, in their fourth in their base four three. Um, Eric Armstead, their 2015 first round pick, is the guy that's going to start there, but he missed the first two preseason two, first two preseason games uh, with a hamstring injury, and so. Uh, Taylor had done enough that he started getting the first team reps there. And so, Ooh. you know. So he's more than a day three pick, you think? Or like, than a, than a typical day three pick? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's showing out really well. I think the big thing with him, one reason he slips so far is he, over the course of his three plus years in college, he played like a cumulative one season of football just because of injuries and, and other things that it just cost him so much time. And so there just wasn't a lot of tape on him. But, uh, He's not going to be the starter this year, at least you know out of the gate, because Eric Armstead is healthy again, and he's the guy they're going to start there. But I think at the very least, I mean, he'll probably be inactive a decent amount, but he's a guy that they can slot in uh, if there's any injuries. Um, and then Richie James is a, is a little guy. Uh, he's like 5'11", I think. Um, Generously. He's 5'9", so he's a really little guy. Yeah. But um, he's a guy that you get him the ball in space, and he can make things happen. Uh, he, you know, They're going to get him some time as a, as a, as a return man, but – I think you'll see him in a gadget role. Um, when when Kyle Shanahan was in, was in Atlanta, Taylor Gabriel was kind of a guy that could move around in some different spots and get in. You know, the goal was to get him the ball in space so he could make things happen after the catch. And I think that's what Richie James potentially could do. I mean, you know, I don't think he's a lock for the fifty three man roster, but I think he's done enough to to get a spot. And and again, you're going to see him utilized in a lot of creative ways. Just to circle back to McGlinchey for a minute. Uh, Joe Staley being 33, do you think there's a plan to eventually shift McGlinchey over to left tackle after after a few seasons or so, or so as a long-term plan? I think so. I'm not sure. Um, I know there are questions about how well he would do on the left side. They were, they were coming out of college, so I don't know yeah. what the what will happen with that. But I think I, they, I would imagine ideally they would want to move him to the left side at some point. Uh, Staley is signed for, for two more years. Um, his status, you know, is, is obviously up in the air. Once you get past, you know, once you get to that age, it's kind of like, you know, how much longer is, is he going to be around? But yeah, I think eventually they probably would like to do that. Okay. Now, David, let's get to last time the Bears and 49ers met. It was Robbie Gold's revenge game. I'll score all the 49ers points. 
when the team that cut him in 2016, Bears and 49ers, going to meet again in this time, I think mid December instead of early December. What is one area that if you're the Bears that you'd be worried that, that you'd be worried about that you'd be worried about to like mitigate or to stop to, to this time win? Well, it's kind of, come on, to come it, on top. Yeah, it's crazy. I was looking. It, this is, I think, the fifth or sixth. This is like the fifth straight year that the 49ers and Bears will have met. Yeah, and I think the previous four years it was always in Week 13. Mm-hmm. It was, I, which I've still. That baffles me, but yeah, no. This year, what they're meeting in week sixteen, week fifteen or week week sixteen? I think it's like the 49ers like final home game or something. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's week week sixteen, December twenty third. Forty uh, ers final home game. It's the final. They, they'll play. That'll be the third of three straight home games to uh, close out the uh, home schedule. But uh, you know, I I mean, the Bears. I like the addition of Allen Robinson. I think they finally. You know, it's good that they've got. Mitchell Trubisky, some uh, some weapons finally. Um, last year, it was just kind of like, here you go, we'll see what you can do. But uh, there, t- I you know, I don't. I mean, Nagy obviously gets a lot of praise, and I think people like that. I, it's going to be interesting to see with Cohen and uh, Jordan Howard. I you know, I I don't know enough about the Bears' defense to say what you know what's right. Right. I think that for me, it's more about. Uh, Howard, or yeah, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen are both are you know that's going to be an interesting duo in terms of uh, that run game, but also you know Cohen seems to be a guy that can do a lot out of the backfield um, as a pass catcher, and you know Forty Nine ers are turning over their front seven a lot. Uh, yeah, I guess I should ask that is is the run defense something that you're worried about with the Forty Nine ers against the Bears? I guess is that something that I'm I wouldn't say that I'm worried about it necessarily just cuz I think the run defense is, is in position to be pretty strong especially if Ruben Foster's healthy and on the field. Um I think more I'm a little worried about like a guy like Cohen who you know again it, it, you know can can hurt you as a pass catcher. I am curious how the the defense will handle pass catchers out of the backfield. Right. Yeah, and an actual offensive coordinator that knows how to use them as opposed to whatever it was in that game last year uh away from the actual tradition. Um, David, what – I hate to make a – don't, don't necessarily make a pick in August, but what would your expectations be out from I this? I mean, the 49ers are going to run roughshod on they're, the Bears. They're going to win 50 to nothing. No, um, you know, I, I don't know. As a home – you know, it, honestly, I don't know. I, th- I think – I mean, this is – Fortnite should win this game. I think that I would agree with that actually. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's 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 going out on a limb to say that at this point they should be favored and they should win the game, but as you know as well as I do that every, you know, the, like we I haven't seen enough from the new iteration of this coaching staff with these Bears, so we don't exactly, but yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's you know, it's tough to say like I I think uh there's a there's a group called CG Technology that releases uh gambling lines. Um mm-hmm. You know, for all the you know, for all for the first sixteen weeks, uh, which I always find funny, they don't release the week seventeen lines because they know that teams are going to be benching players. But it's like, well, we'll release week sixteen, but we have our you know, we have our standards. <laughs> but uh, like right now, they have they project the 49ers as a six point favorite in that game, um, which is is you know basically anything over you know when, once you start getting to six and above, it's like okay, we we you know. The line itself, as I think many people were, is more about you know what we think people are going to bet because basically they want you know they want even money on both sides so that they win. But I think once you start getting into the six or seven point area, that's that, heavily favored, right? What's that? That's heavily favored. 
Yeah, yeah. Once you get over, once you get over, like I think four or five is like we don't really know. We kind, you know, we kind of think the 49ers are the better team, but we don't really know what's going to happen. A field goal or less is kind of just like here, you know, your guess is as good as ours. Um, but once you get to six and above, but really, I mean, technically it's seven and above, but six is close enough that I think they're like, okay, we think the 49ers are the team to beat. They're playing at home. This is what's going to happen. You know, this is what we think makes makes the most sense. And for the 49ers, the only, you know. They're what they're they're a touchdown favorite against Arizona. They're a six and a half point favorite against against the Giants, and then the next line, the next biggest line is is the Bears. So, I think, and I, I would think, you know, Bears fans, aside from the most homerist of homerists, would would not be shocked by that line at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, looking at just by comparison, the 49ers in Minnesota are a five and a half point underdog to open the year. So that's kind of you know. Think, I mean, try and compare it that way. What the 49ers are to the Vikings in Minnesota compared to what the Bears are to the 49ers in San Francisco. You know, kind of take that, you know, and, and sort of shuffle it around. Yeah, that's definitely a fair, fair comparison. Um, Bears are winning 52 to nothing, though. So let's just uh, yeah, no, I, I, I would have said that sounds about right. <laughs> All right, David, just to wrap this up. Um, yeah, so we're wrapping up the preseason finally this week. Um I think roster cuts are Saturday, but after that, we're, we're, you know, we'll have Labor Day and we'll have everything else. How are you planning on spending your last uh, free football days? I assume after roster cuts and everything's done that you'll actually be able to take a breather for a couple of days. How are you spending that last football weekend, non-football weekend? Yeah, I mean, you figure you got roster cuts Saturday, you got practice squad signings on Sunday because everybody loves that. Um well, yeah. whenever you can take a breather, you know, at some point, I imagine at some point you will. How are you spending that last, like, real, real free time? It will at some point involve probably going to the movies. Uh, you know, because once the season starts, it's hard to get to the movies. And I just saw Mission Impossible this weekend. I enjoyed that. That was really good. Would, would you, I enjoy Tom Cruise just randomly sprinting 3,000 yards somehow. I, on I, his- he, he learned how to fly a helicopter to do a stunt. Did he actually fly it? That wasn't that wasn't CG or anything. That is what I'm reading. That he learned how to fly the helicopter. I don't know if every aspect of that was full, but like he learned how to fly the helicopter. I read on that sprint that where he jumps out of the window that he broke his ankle on the jump. They stopped it and he just taped it up and everything. Took like a crazy amount of like oxycodone or something, and then did the sprint. Apparently, that's. Uh, Maybe that's just they're just trying to add to his mythos or something, but um, that that because that's the brand at this point. He does all his own stunts. He's gonna do everything for the for the for the scene. But um, if he ran however fast he was running while on a broken ankle, I I I, I don't know. That that that's that's pretty crazy to me. That's pretty crazy to me. That's almost like an NFL player playing through some kind of injury. Yeah, pretty much, or like you know, like hockey players playing through broken legs, through broken legs or losing teeth or or what 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 have you. I mean. Uh, hockey- Hockey players are tougher than everybody else. So, well, of course they are. Of course they are. I, I, I was just saying, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think you wouldn't think of like an actor necessarily doing that. Like, yeah, that's true. Through a stunt, yeah. It's you know, it, it's Scientology. <laughs> <clears throat> More than likely, that's what gives them the strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, I know we've been like going back and forth on this uh, for a while trying to get this up. I really appreciate you finally coming on, taking the time. Uh, a lot of good insight, buddy. Really appreciate yeah, my it. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> you can follow. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice here again. <clears throat> you can follow David on Twitter uh, at David Fuchillo. Uh, that's F U C I L L O. 
You can follow uh, follow Niners Nation as well. Niners Nation, he runs that website. He's an NFL producer and editor for SB Nation proper. Follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron. Follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. We're doing all this housekeeping. And as always, keep it classy, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.